Good morning, everyone. As we heard from our, our first reading, which ties in very uh, appropriately with our gospel, um, we're told in that first reading that God cares for the earth. He sends the rain and the sun, and it makes it fruitful. And uh, this would be true even of the desert regions, uh, re regions of uh, the world. So we see uh, when the soil is receptive how it can produce. And then uh, we would understand from the prophet, he would say, and God cares for his creation, you. And he sends not only the rain and the sun, but he sends the word to you. And by that, he means not only uh, his son, remember, capital W, his son, the word, but his very word that he speaks uh, for you. And considering that we're in this time of great challenge uh, on many levels uh, within the United States and also around the world, uh, St. Paul says um, the troubles of this world um, are nothing compared to the glory that awaits the believer uh, and, uh, and he's not making light of, our of the struggles. He's just saying, look, uh, look to the future. And we would do the same even now. We even look to the future now about um, the beauty that comes. As surely as the sun rises, good things will come. Jesus compares uh, the word of God uh, to a seed that falls on, uh, on good ground. Friends, um, have you ever tried to speak the truth to someone who refused to listen to it? I think all of you have. Worse, have you ever resisted the truth that someone tried to tell you? Have you ever tried to teach someone who did not want to learn or perhaps was even afraid to learn? Jesus faced this problem when he was here. Of such people, Jesus said, they look but do not see, hear but do not listen. Jesus said uh, these were folks who deliberately turned a blind eye to him and the very good works he was doing and a deaf ear to what he was saying. And uh, so Jesus began to teach in parables. And uh, my friends, a parable is a story in which the element in the story is compared to the people who are listening, or the audience, if you will, uh, without the audience at first realizing the story is about them. And uh, Jesus knew how effective a good story uh, was in capturing the listener's attention. And everyone loves a good story. And a story is very helpful in remembering the lesson because everyone remembers a good story and likes to pass it on to others. I hear that all the time. Father, I heard this story. I want to tell you about it. Uh, sometimes I get in an email. I want to tell you. And I got a very beautiful one uh, in the midst of uh, all the things that were going on this week at the parish. We've been very busy. We had a funeral. We had a wedding. Uh, we have... Young Master Titus is going to receive communion for the first time today. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, amen, amen. Uh, and we have a baptism this afternoon, Deacon. Thank you for doing that. So very busy. I anointed someone yesterday. Uh, the only thing left uh, 
I heard confessions. The only thing left is ordination, and I can't do that. I'm not a bishop. <laughs> so I did, we did all the sacraments minus the ordination. So it's been busy. And, uh, um, but everyone likes a good story and likes to pass it on. Jesus' parable at first disguises the lesson and who it's aimed at. And in doing so, it allows the listener not to become defensive um, and closed off to the message. Once you figure it out, um, you know, when you talk to somebody, and tell them, especially when you use the you form, you, need, you immediately become defensive and you shut off. You don't want to listen. Jesus knew us, and he said, here's how I'm going to teach them. It's only later uh, when people begin to reflect on the story that they realize it's about me even be alone, and now they're open to the lesson, to the message. Jesus always used things that were familiar to the people. Uh, sometimes people think, uh, many Christians thought the parables were done, Jesus did it to keep it secret. But uh, he was a great teacher. He learned how to, uh, he didn't learn, he knew how to do this. And uh, Jesus used elements that he knew the people would understand. And so some context is needed to further deepen uh, the parable today. My friends, in ancient Palestine, where Jesus uh, was from, he, uh, inherited land was divided proportionately among the children. And uh, each child would get a share of the best land, each child would get a pair of little piece of the mediocre land, and each child would get um, the garbage land. Stuff that wasn't so good. This explains in part why Jesus, when he said uh, so or so, uh, and some of the lamb was like this, and some of the lamb was like that, they would uh, automatically, okay, okay, we, we get what you're talking about. Even deeper, because Jesus make reference to inheritance. And um, so this explains the diversity in soil conditions in the parable. Also, to get the most from all the land, which all of us would want to do, their farmers would scatter the seed everywhere and anywhere on that land in the hopes that something somewhere would possibly grow. There the prophets describe God's saving activity in terms of sowing, like a farmer does to, to sow seeds. We find that in Jeremiah 31, 27 and Hosea, uh, 225. Remember that his, the people of Jesus' time understood the Old Testament. They would have picked up on the references he was making, the inference he was doing. They would clearly understand the sower is God. And Jesus is God. Of course, they didn't figure that out until after. Um, the seed is the word of God. God's teaching, God's revelation, Whatever God communicated to humanity would be his word, the seed. And the soil, of course, you know, and they would figure that out, was referring to them. They are the soil that Jesus was talking about. The different degrees of uh, the reception uh, among human beings are compared to different types of soil. You see what Jesus is doing. Friends, the parable has two main interpretations in Christianity. If it is truly the parable of the sower, the focus is on God. And the main lesson is that God generously pours 
out his blessings and love on everybody. Remember, on indiscriminately, with great abundance, on the receptive and non-receptive. It means God wants everyone to be saved and reaches out to everyone. He denies no one. If the parable, however, would be better called the parable of the soil, and there is a great emphasis by Jesus put on that, um, the different conditions of the soil, then uh, Jesus' main message is that the harvest depends not only on the sowing, the tossing out of it, which is generous to a fault, for it is God, but on the quality of the soil which the seed falls upon, which is the receptivity of the person. The reason for the varying responses to Jesus' message is due solely to human free will and human choice. Jesus offers the comparisons. Some fell on hard soil, people of hardened hearts against God, perhaps against their fellow uh, human person. They turn a blind eye to the goodness uh, that it is out there. They will not let God enter their hearts. There was a seed that fell in shallow or rocky soil. It shot up, but with shallow roots soon died. People who are at first receive God's word enthusiastically, but then hear of something else, and uh, they move on uh, and do not want to be bothered with working to put their faith into practice. The Christian faith is not an easy one, and it requires our participation in it. While it may be a gift, uh, we have things that we must do with it. A seed that fell among thorns, uh, people who want to be good Christians but encounter competing forces in their lives, money, power, too much comfort, and they opt for the easy way. Lastly, there is the deep, rich soil in which a seed can grow and produce a bountiful harvest. My friends, what you need to do today is reflect and ask yourself then, you know the question, what type of soil am I? We will have to ask also in that, what do I really value? And are those values assisting me to grow in holiness or not? We should never forget and always treasure the Lord's powerful and salvific word above all other things in this world. For it is only his word that can save us. All other words, all other things, like our human years and novelties, will pass away. But only his word remains forever, First Peter 1.25. I pray that uh, each one of us will always be good soil um, in all aspects, in all times of our life, and that we never close ourselves off to him. My friends, we've been doing a, an incredible job on the annual Catholic appeal. Uh, we're only about $31,000 away from the goal set by the archdiocese. Um, however, uh, because of the times and because of the numbers that we have, um, our budget is becoming increasingly difficult and uh, very challenging, and it's becoming worri worrisome to me. We are currently $85,000 
under budget. You guys keep a budget so you know. I either have to bring in more money or begin to trim. <laughs> and uh, uh, knowing uh, as we prepared this budget, we had redid it three times, uh, trying to adjust. Uh, uh, so um, I will begin, and all of you know I don't like to talk about money, um, but I will have to probably start talking about it a little bit more and getting folks to uh, get back to their tithing as they can because it's challenging times for everybody. Uh, but together, uh, we will meet the challenges of the budget. Uh, the only thing left it would mean I would have to begin to cut ministries. Um, and uh, as the deacon and I can attest, it's been kind of business as usual. We got first communions, we got confirmations, 100 confirmations this year. We have the largest number of First Communions, 51. I've been here seven years, and we've never had 51. I had, had to ask, where did they come from? <laughs> where did all the children come from? Uh, and uh, I haven't had a nuptial mass in seven years, and we had a nuptial mass yesterday. And we pray for the young couple who have entered into marriage, uh, that they have a beautiful life ahead. And marriage is difficult in our society of late uh, because society tries to tell us what it is and they believe they have the ability to change it and marriage is not that marriage has two pieces to it it is natural to the human person god has put it into the heart of men and women and therefore it cannot be altered but jesus came and raised it to the level of a sacrament made it so that is holy and sacred spouses spouses are different from every other kind of relationship and friendship on this earth because they share in the creative power of god to produce children so it is different very different from everything else and the governments and societies of the world are attempting to change that, to alter what should not be. You cannot change what marriage really is no more than you can really change the human heart. And so I pray for um, Derek and Catherine and all the young couples who are entering into marriage uh, because it's very challenging uh, as many of you know, who have been married for five years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years, but with God's grace. With God's grace, uh, they will navigate uh, the waters that are that today. Um, now we must uh, make a profession of faith, so let us stand. <laughs>